Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside programme with Kiri Kermode and Simon Clark. And, well, we've got to start with it. It's been a tough all week again for the farmers and market gardeners of the Isle of Man, Kiri, hasn't it? It doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon, does it? No, and uh, we're just talking about uh, the wet weather, the snow, the, the rain that we've been had, and then when you were out checking your sheep, you couldn't see 20 yards in front of you, which makes it even worse, because at least when you look and see quite a way, you can see the, the sheep you know, by the hedges where they usually go if they're going to lamb and things, isn't it? That's right. You find you're having to travel every single hedge or every part of the field as well, just in case you miss one. And yeah, it's not been the easiest of mornings today, so let's hope this clears off soon. Yeah, and um, you uh, took a trip. I don't think the wildlife park, the current wildlife park, was, was... How was the water table there when you were there? It wasn't too bad. Kathleen said that the, the park has held up well this winter and it does look really well. They've, they've kept it really really up to standard and they're welcoming visitors every week now yeah and uh, the farm shops around the island man we see lots of the little sheds at the bottom of the farm lanes don't they um you know with the with the projects that's grown on the farms generally and lots of homemade stuff and i was lucky enough uh, to have a look around the well it's a month or so now reopened Sandygate Farm Shop in Derby then Cindy Corkle uh, showed me around and what a surprise it was you know you, you think there's just going to be a bag of spuds and a few carrots in there but there's a thing from homemade jams and, and cakes and everything like that and it's good to see these shops still open that's right people are looking to go to these shops and buy they're looking to support local aren't they mm. so why not go direct to the farms and if they've got the provision of a farm shop you know no better place to go really no alright here is this week's Countryside Manx Radio Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, I've just returned from the Czech Republic, Kiri. Uh, there was snowing for a few hours one day. Uh, that was gone in no time. The next day, it was 21 degrees. Never. Yeah. Well, I could do with 21 degrees here. <laughs> it's been shocking, hasn't it? And farmers are getting a little bit worried, aren't they? They really are. This is becoming quite a tragic winter. It's very, very long and very wet and we're running out of food. Um, hay, silage, anything now is getting quite desperate. Yeah, and one of the problems is half the fields um, you can't do nothing with, can you? You know, the grass that maybe should be there at springtime it just isn't is it that's right it's been so much rain that fields are waterlogged but the plants aren't growing either you know there's not enough heat in the in the day to get the, the grass up and running so you can't get the stock out that are in buildings and um yeah things are struggling quite badly on the island at uh, the moment and it's one of the things that uh, a lot of farmers you know in case of a, a few bad weeks you know keep keep that bit of extra um food that they've stored through their crops and straw and hay and silage and everything through the summertime um but it, you know it just not going to keep for years does it that's the worst that's right it. some people will keep some over and there has been some from last year but the the stores are getting used up even you know people are asking if there's anything buried in the back of barns get it out people are looking for food to feed their cattle and sheep and um yeah so if there is anybody out there with extra food please please make it available yeah and there seems to be um bit of a cry maybe to have to import some at some stage but um, let's just hope that that doesn't have to happen in the near future. That's right well this year alone the straw has been coming in and some uh, hay as well and um, 
that's been happening the last couple of years, but more so in the south of Ireland, it's absolute crisis. They're importing it from around Europe now, and the government are stepping in to actually subsidise and help the import of feed. They're in a, in a massive mess. Yeah, and it just makes it more difficult because it makes you wonder that the Isle of Man isn't alone in this, and it's difficult for us to source it if the big power of, of Ireland are trying to get some as well, isn't it? That's right, Ireland yeah. and actually England and, and Wales as well, they're all sort of going on to alert now. It, it is running short, and by this time a lot of stock would be out. So, yeah, it's, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, and lamb and all finished? No, we've only just started the second mm. batch, and they said, uh, wait till May, April and May, it'll be lots of grass and good weather and, well... I don't know, it's not much better than January. <laughs> no, it isn't. I mean, did you need your wellies uh, when you took a trip to the Curragh Wildlife Park last week? I certainly didn't. The park is looking really well. The team at, at the Curragh Wildlife Park has done a great job through the winter. And I caught up with Kathleen Graham to see how things were going. Not too bad. Uh, we're drying out a bit. There's not as much uh, flowers around as there normally is. Yeah, certainly it does feel like winter's went on forever, so definitely looking forward to some nicer weather. This is it. But how have the animals felt? Because obviously some of them will appreciate the wetter weather. Well, most of them have a nice heated house to go to. And uh, yeah, the penguins don't mind too much. But yeah, it's. I think we're all looking forward to a bit of sun. I mean, even when a little bit of sun comes out, you see all the animals getting out to catch a few rays. Um, and I think we all can feel that. We know how they're feeling. Feeling, uh, we're looking forward to some decent weather. But the park is looking really well and how are the babies doing from last year, especially little Finlow, the silvery gibbon? Oh, Finlow is just fantastic. He's just over seven months old now and he's proper toddler age now. <laughs> and, well, you were just watching him with me. He's dangling from the, the rafters there. Mum's looking a bit more tired because she's got to keep an eye on him all the time. You've got your heart in your mouth really when you're watching him because the skill involved and he's just learning that when you see him dangling there from the rope 10 feet above the the floor it is quite scary but no he's really finding his his legs and his arms now and um, for the first time last week I saw dad doing a bit of the babysitting yeah mum was lying on the shelf looking a bit exhausted and dad was actually watching over what he was doing so that's the first time that I've seen Nicola the father take a little bit more active role in childcare uh, about time too but um, (laughs) yeah I guess as Finlow's becoming more independent now he still runs to mum whenever he feels a bit insecure but he is definitely becoming a bit more of his own gibbon and that does mean that dad can get a bit more involved because he's not always clinging on to mum all the time. You must be very proud for the, for the Coorig Wildlife Park to have such a, an endangered species here and doing so well. Yeah and to have it linked to a project, know that we're actually raising money for the few silvery gibbons that are left out in Java there's about 2,000 of them in the wild. To date we've now managed to give over £6,000 to the Aspinall Foundation for the Gibbons and there was a big fundraising event recently, hats off to Tidal Events for raising some money for that as well so that's really great that we've really been able to contribute to the safety net, the gene pool in the European zoos for this species and to give money to the ones in the wild so yeah we're really proud of that. And to have such wonderful facilities here to actually rear young ones as well, would you be looking to have any more in the future? Yeah well the, the gibbons they're um, like us really, they're apes and they live a family life they would live mum, dad and three kids essentially so they'd live in that small tight knit family group they wouldn't have an extended family just because of resources, that's how, how they live in a small family group and they can have a baby about every three years 
Here, that comes down to about two and a half year gap because there's more resources, life's a bit easier for them. And by the time, certainly by the time they're 10, they've left home, so to speak. So we wouldn't have any more than three youngsters because as one comes up, the other one leaves. In Java, they would sort of go off and maybe find their own mate. Here in uh, all the European zoos, the stud bookkeeper will identify a partner for little Finlow when he's around the age of eight or nine, and he will go off somewhere to another zoo to, to meet a lady and become you know, oh, a dad himself. God. So it's a growing breeding programme. There's only about 42 in the whole of all the European zoos, and half of those are at Howlett's, the Aspinall Foundation. So we're only the ninth zoo to have them. So it really is great. It, it, to watch him grow up is just wonderful. It, it is one of the best parts of my job, just to be able to nip out the office and have a little look and get that dose of oxytocin, you know, just watching him climb about and grow and develop. It's fantastic. So with the ongoing projects here, I see a lovely new lemur enclosure being built. It's a massive construction. A lot of work's obviously gone into it. We're nearly finished? Nearly, nearly. <laughs> it was, we had originally hoped to have it finished by last year and it sort of had to be a movable uh, deadline, but we wanted to get it as best as we could. So we've actually moved the gentle lemurs in now. The gentle lemurs have what used to be the old bat house. The windows have changed to the other side. We're going to put some screening up. We haven't quite done that to help with the reflection. But we've got the gentle lemurs in and they've got an outside exhibit, which is now what used to be the old greenhouse. And the keepers have been in there doing it up with a bamboo and making it look great. And they've done some great little bamboo huts as well. So it really looks fantastic. So our family of four gentle lemurs have moved in there. We're just about ready to move our black and white and our red ruffs into the new lemur building. That's a brand new building. Our first two red rough lemurs have already arrived. They're on island and they're in our hospital unit, so they're not quite on show yet. But we'll get them out and get them mixed with the, the black and whites, we hope. This is one of the issues with the lemur enclosures is the species will mix, but it's actually down to the individual personalities. So we've got about a 50-50 chance of getting all our lemurs living all together and we just don't know if it's going to work or not until we actually try it and see how the personalities get on. Um, so that will be happening in the next few weeks. Some finishing off bits to do to the lemur enclosure. We'll get them out. It's going to be a walk-in enclosure. We are going to let the public walk in, but that part won't be open till the summertime. At least yeah. we need to get them settled and uh, see how they are. But with it being so wet as well, I suppose it slowed up project work as well, because it's a big area, a lot of fencing, a lot of woodwork's been done. A lot of effort's gone into it. Yeah, there's you know a few people and much to do here, and as well as doing these projects, we've got you know all the animals to look after every day, and, and of course our visitors. So with the best will and intention, you really want to get these things done but it always seems to take a bit longer and each one delay can knock on and affect another thing And but yeah, we're, we're almost there and I think when you come down now you can see how great the gentle lemurs look and you can see how great it's going to look when it's completely finished so it won't be too long It won't be, and, and keep an eye on the Facebook page we'll put on there as soon as we get them out into the enclosure and they're on display But these are new arrivals to the island as well the, the red ones? Yeah, it's a new lemur species all the lemurs are endangered or some of them critically endangered so again it's a fantastic opportunity for us to keep these endangered species 
and we will be linking that to a project out in Madagascar as well. There's other IASA zoos that work out in Madagascar, so we'll be able to kind of contribute and help with one of those projects. So we just need to identify the right one, but when we have, we'll do the similar thing as we'll link that to a project in the wild. So yeah, it's going to be great. You have many more <coughs> new additions to the park this year as well, Kathleen. Yeah, well, we had quite a few babies from last year. Our short-clawed otters have done particularly well in the breeding and in fact we've got a few of them older the older siblings due to move to Amersfoort in Holland but we're going to be extending that enclosure by 50% just to give them a bit more land space and a bit more um, water so that project's due to start after the Easter holidays we possibly will then stop breeding them so that we can keep a family of something around seven and we've got a new king vulture shed getting built as well this year so babies wise we've Porcupines, they never stop breeding, so we've got another porcupine baby. And we're hopeful this year for squirrel monkey babies. It's been quite a number of years since we've had a male squirrel monkey. We've had just a group of females, but we introduced a new male squirrel monkey called Zlotan, who came from Stuttgart. And it was the first time in years that the girls had seen a male, and um, they were keen, I think would be the word. So that's something that everyone can look out for then? Yeah, well, if going on gestation times, we're calculating somewhere around about TT time, possibly. Oh. So we'll just need to see. that Because the girls haven't been breeding for a number of years and some of them are getting older, we'll just need to see how it goes. But certainly Zlotan is... Uh, a bit of a stud monkey. He's moved around <laughs> Europe a few times. Every couple of years he moves to a new batch of girls. So he's, he's an experienced male. He knows what he's doing. And what other events are coming up throughout the park this summer, spring and summer? We've got our falconry weekend. That will be the last weekend of April. We've just advertised now uh, Wild Academy and that's for young budding uh, zoologists or enthusiasts, animal enthusiasts. So that's ages 7 years old to 11 and it's a week-long summer school. We split it to one week for the 7 and 8 year olds, one week for the 9 to 11 year olds. And it's a mixture of activities. They learn conservation but they also have some fun art, they have some fun play but most importantly there's a little bit of animal stuff put in there so we try and make sure there's at least one animal experience a day and they might help prepare the food for an animal things like that but it's not a full-on keeper school but it has elements of that and certainly kids who come on the wild academy usually book the following year they absolutely love it and on a regular basis throughout the year Kathleen people can see the regular favourites the feeding of the pelicans the mongoose is this something that's happening every day yeah I mean our discovery programme as we call it with talks and activities and things is dependent on volunteers so we can only really run it at peak times in other words I think from from about TT time at the weekends we'll run it obviously school holidays there's what's ons every day during the Easter holidays and as there will be in the, the, the summer holidays. We usually try and do either a reptile or a bug encounter down in the Rainforest Theatre as well. I see that the park has taken on the plastics campaign as well with the new system water facility. I don't think it's so much that we've taken on the campaign, we've just tried to make it easier for people I think to come with their own bottle or if they have purchased a bottle to top it up. So we've got a water fountain there and you know 
I think our focus, as well as doing all the animal projects, our focus is, I think, this year to try and make it easier for people to be more environmentally friendly and conscious and give little tips and, you know, look at our own ways and how we can do that. And when it comes to recycling, there is a big problem with recycling plastic. There's no point in us having recycling plastic bins here if it isn't actually getting recycled. So I think when we set up projects to help our visitors, we need to be very sure that it is being done in a way that people expect. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we're looking at as well, you know, in our shop stock and things like that as well. But it's a gradual step-by-step process, and I think it's the same with anybody you know, in their own personal lives. I know myself, sometimes it's hard to avoid some of these things, things like palm oil. You know, do you try and avoid it? Do you use sustainable? And we say, well, use sustainable palm oil if you can. How do you find out what's in sustainable palm oil? It's quite difficult because it's not always clear from labelling. So things like Chester Zoo actually have a brilliant palm oil, sustainable palm oil shopping list on their website. And actually, if you just Google palm oil shopping list, it's one of the first things that come up. And that gives you brands and it shows what's using sustainable palm oil. It's really one of the easiest ones I've come across. And again, if you just check that you actually find there's a lot of things that you're buying already that are good so it's about reaffirming to yourself that you're doing the best that you can and there might be one brand that you're using that isn't and you can just switch it to another brand so it's all these small things and I think everyone these days always tries to make small steps towards improving and I think that's what the park's doing as well. And I see that the cafe is open for business, the inflatable bouncy castle and the little trains are all ready to greet everybody. Yeah, and we've got other projects as well, uh, as well as the animal side of things. We have just been told that we've got a bit of funding for a new website and we'll be able to do a better online purchasing system. That'll probably be to the end of the year by the time that project's finished. Although it's early stages of planning for a project, we have got plans for a new cafe building it's there in the treasury report so i haven't got all the firm details on that so but when we've got more details on that we'll be able to let our members and visitors know exactly what's happening with the building and it's great that you have lots of members and volunteers you know they do help the park significantly yeah um you know our our members i think they they realize what good value it is to be a member of the park that you can just pop in and out but as well i think they're genuinely supportive of everything we're trying to do and improvements here and yeah our volunteers as well they're very engaged in letting the visitors get the best out of their day so yeah we're we're very appreciative of everybody who helps the park so people can keep up to date with the Kurokwai Life Park just on the Facebook and website Kathleen for now yeah uh-huh, um, we're on Facebook and we do Instagram and also Liz our education officer does Twitter so her perspective is always slightly different so it's quite good to follow Liz because she gives that angle as the education officer and the Facebook and the Instagram are fairly similar but Facebook is definitely the main place for seeing what what developments what's born any information if you're visiting so that's the park open now oh yeah we're open seven days a week we're open from 10 a.m to 6 p.m and we stay open seven days a week right up to the end of the October half term holidays which actually is almost into November then we're open every Friday Saturday Sunday open at Christmas holidays February holidays so really we're open 300 around 300 days of the year and yeah but that's us open seven days a week so you don't need to call us and ask us if we're open we're open that was Kathleen Graham the Curragh Wildlife Park Manager it's uh, it sounds like there's a lot of 
projects been going on, even though the, the park is generally closed um, throughout the week in the wintertime, of course. Uh, they haven't been sitting idle, have they? Have no. they? Heck, they've been doing lots of work and it's absolutely brilliant to see the new modern buildings up and the new enclosures ready for the, especially the gentle lemurs to be released in the next few days. But the park is just continuously bringing in new and endangered animals to look after and for us to see. We're absolutely, you know... Honoured, yeah. Uh, and when you look at the, the Curragh Wildlife Park in, in the big scheme of parks and zoos around uh, the United Kingdom and Europe, um, you know, I suppose people would think of it on a small scale. But when you think that um, uh, they can get these endangered species and they're entrusted to look after these here on the Isle of Man, it's a great credit to the, to the trust other um, animal um, and zoologists and the people, you know, that run the, the rare species have in the Isle of Man, isn't it? They are. They're absolute credit and They've gone on to doing the breeding programmes and they've worked. They've got a baby silvery gibbon there. They're critically endangered. And to have Finlow swinging around in the rafters in that new enclosure was just, you know, it felt so rewarding and they must be so proud. But, yeah, they're doing their bit to preserve these really endangered animals. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, for many years, uh, little sheds have been seen at the bottoms of farm lanes uh, with the labels Farm Shop written on them. Um, these have become increasingly popular over recent times with uh, the Manx farmers and Manx market gardeners and growers trying to promote uh, their own produce and just source it directly to the general public, uh, who the majority of them appreciate uh, that it's just fresh from the ground. Well, one such shop that was opened a few years ago now and then closed for a while has reopened at Sandygate in Jerby. And I caught up with the new person at the helm, Cindy Corkle. I've been here since September. September? And how has it been? It's worked really well. Yeah, I'm doing really well. It's come on and I have people from lots of places come here. The shed originally here at the end of at Sandygate, it, it was run by the Cletus here who've got the farm behind us. And of course... They closed the shop and a lot of people were using it and of course under the circumstances um, they couldn't keep it going. What made you decide to, to reinstate it? It was lying empty and I wanted a challenge and because I've lived in Jerby I wanted to give a service to the community of Jerby. You know it was a good shop, it was a fantastic shop, they had everything that they could produce into the shop and just seeing it empty just made me turn around and say right You've got to do something with it. And I suppose then you had to start from scratch again. Yeah, I had to start from scratch. I went and seen Stuart Allison at Rendu for the vegetables that he could supply me with. I went and spoke to David Neal at Lockdo and he provided me with potatoes. I get all the rest of my vegetables from Stuart Allison. What I can't get from Stuart, I get from elsewhere. But there's all sorts here. I mean, these cakes here, who's made them ones? I make all the cakes. Really? Yes. I lemon do. curds and marmalade? I make all them, make all the lemon curds and the marmalades. I make all the jams that are likely to come into the shop in the future. When I get all the fruit and all grown. Has it always been a passion of yours, doing the cakes and the jams and things? Though? Yes, I've loved making, yeah. doing cakes and jams. I like entering the horticultural shows. They've been good in the past few years. I haven't done any for a long time, but you never know. <laughs> I suppose a lot of the people have got little outlets themselves, you know, for, for selling things. I mean, were, they, were they all the, the ones you mentioned been kind enough to, to help you and support you and back you up with it? Oh, yes, yeah, they've all supported me. Very much so. Tracy at Gellin's Eggs, she's supported me. 
she'll supply me with all my eggs that I need to have. Like say, I've got Stuart and I've got Neils. I've even had potatoes from Robert Kennedy. Everything that I can get local, I'll get local. This time of year, of course, we're coming into the summertime now. The nights are getting lighter. Yeah. People will be on their diets, eating salads all year. Uh, is it getting to that time as well? Yeah, I've got tomatoes in, in the shop. I've got all salad stuff into the shop that I got in this weekend just to give it a try for the summer. Mm. Hopefully I'll get it all growing into the fields that I've got just up the road, courtesy of Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Cleeter. Yeah, and a field now, because obviously if you can get the stuff growing close to where the shop is and do it yourself it'd be an advantage too yeah it'd be a lot easier what experience have you got in that uh, pretty good yeah yeah we've had a couple of allotments down there at the gary we used to grow all our own veg and when i worked at b&q i sold it to b&q staff <laughs> Fair enough, then. there's drinks and all sorts here as well yeah people are saying that you know when they pass and some they come in they always say is there a drinking or what else have we got so i've got some green bottle cox's apple I've got some elderflower and I've got some ponygramate and elderflower and I've got some new Rubicon, which is a sparkling water. Now this, what about um, situated here, what since you've started, was the, was the uptake immediately or, or was it a gradual thing? It was gradual. We, we had our own Facebook page that I put that was starting on Sandergate Farm Shop and really it's took well from the beginning. You know, I say well, it's keeping its head above water. And what about, um, you, you, it, I don't think you can fit any more in here now. I mean, what are you going to do about that? Not in here, no. Um, Mr and Mrs Cleeter have had a second shed built. And in that shed will be all my jams, all my drinks, all my salad stuff, all my summer fruits, which hopefully will get planted shortly for the bushes, for the gooseberries and red currants, white currants, black currants. You name it, it'll be in that field. And what about the, the people, what sort of feedback are you getting from the locals? You said there's even people from quite far afield that come in. Yeah, we've had ones from Laxey, we've had ones from Onken, we've had ones from down south. Yeah, they're quite pleased, everyone's been pleased. I've never had a negativity set against me. It's always been positive stuff, which is which is nice. Yeah, we'll get too much of a workload, do you think, if, you, if it gets too busy? Never. No? Never. I've got Michael to help me as well. Oh, well. Hubby helps me. Kirsty yeah. helps me. Danielle helps me as and when she can. So, yeah. yeah we'll, good we'll... family effort then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll get there. What about access to it? It's a come and serve yourselves. Honesty. Uh, it's an honesty theme, box, yeah. 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 Honesty. Yeah. Is, that, is that troublesome? It was to start off with, but not now. All right. How have you sold that? Got a camera. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> got well, a CCTV camera. Yeah, but there's always the odd one. There's always around. the odd that'll try, but no, I'm touch wood. I've been, I've been good. Mm. And what about um, the opening times off, off the shop? Shops usually open from about eight, half eight, right through till now the summer nights. It'll be open till about half six, seven o'clock. What about the weekends? Open all weekends, same times. Cindy Corkle, who's took over the running of the Sandygate Farm Shop there at the crossroads at Jerby, and wonderful to when I went in there I thought you know there'd just be a bag of spuds and a few carrots sitting there but it's tremendous she spends whole time cooking uh, cakes and scones and making jams and lemon curds and things and it's beautifully set out it really is a credit you You really can't beat homemade produce whether it is a cake or a jam or whatever it always tastes so much better than an actual supermarket one but these farm shops are fab and people are looking to support them local people want to have a bit of mud on their carrots and their spuds and and yeah providing them like that what better way yeah and it's nice that she was there and a couple of people came along and said uh, you know i need some spuds oh what do you want them for 
oh, I'm going to roast these, or I'm going to do chips with these. Of course, the, everyone who's, who's involved with farming and potatoes will know that all the different types of uh, spuds, well, I'll call them spuds, I'm not as posh <laughs> to call them potatoes, um, you know, that they're, they're all suitable for different um, types of baking or eating, aren't they? Well, know? that's right. You know, a supermarket doesn't necessarily brand them like that. You just think that a potato is a potato. But no, like you say, they're grown specifically for different jobs. And to have that knowledge there as well, to get the best chips. Yeah. Oh, great. It is good, good and it was. Uh, we wish them good luck with that. And all the farm shops around the Isle of Man, uh, let's just keep them honest and uh, keep them there. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, lovely uh, to have a look around the Sandygate Farm Shop, Kerry. Uh, and I've been in several of them um, in the past, you know, and it, it just still amazes me how much they can fit in and how organised they are. And, and, you know, when the when the people are there to answer questions, you know, what type of potato would be best for roasting and things like that, you know, because they're all different. That's right. Mm-hmm. The knowledge that these uh, farm shopkeepers have is just brilliant. And you can have a good chat, build a real great, you know, rapport with mm. them and, you know, ask where the food comes from. And if there's something that they're missing, they might be able to stock it for you it's that personal touch isn't it yeah and the homemade cakes and jams Ooh. and lemon curds <laughs> are you a lemon curd person oh i love anything homemade oh yes lemon curd oh yeah. on toast do you make jam yourself no i don't seem to have time for anything at the moment <laughs> but uh no it's something i do really appreciate is other people's homemade produce yeah and really the wildlife good. park it's really have done a lot of work by the sounds of things over the winter they really have they've brought that place right up to scratch with the modern buildings and all the great viewing platforms to look at these brilliant animals they've got such an array of signage and interactions and oh it's just a, a fab day out for the family it really is now yeah, and i just love actually the walk through the little bits as well through the little bits of trees and marsh where you know the bits that connect different um, animals from different birds and things like that the little walkways and things i just love that part of it it as is well. so tranquil and you can mm. get back in the curragh there and get lost really but you, you think you're in a completely different world but they've got the park managed so well with all the with all the really endangered species that you know we have the privilege of looking at which is uh, it's really good here mm, on the island it is and uh, of course the special tickets you can get as well really good value where you know you may not get time to go for the whole day but you can get the season tickets the family ones are really good value as well that's right and it's open till 6 p.m so there's no excuses no okay we'll leave it there for this week's countryside we're back next week with more so from me simon clark and me kerry Coleman. we'll see you next week Ta-da. bye-bye don't sit in the slow lane join the fast lane right now with shaw's all new super fast plus broadband enjoy more bandwidth amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just 23 pounds 95 per month so don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love the Terms and conditions apply.